Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing good? Are you glad to be in church today? Everybody have uh, a good morning. Got your heavenly nectar in your system. Highly caffeinated, all of y'all. Amen. Do we have some good worship this morning? Praise God. Thank you for the opportunity to do that communion experience with my son. That was great. Um, you know, the Bible says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. It doesn't say do it often, but it says when you do it, as often as you do it, remember. Because we forget, right? We forget. It's nothing worse than waking up in the morning. You forget, you know, like it's your anniversary. You know what I mean? <laughs> How many know it's not going to go good with your wife if you forgot that? Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, listen, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek. I want to welcome you to Connect. Um, I want to say, first of all, uh, a couple of thank yous. One, Last week I wasn't here speaking, I was here, but I wasn't speaking. We had an awesome speaker, Pastor Dino. Did he do a great job or what? So great. We call him Father Dino. Father Dino, he's like, uh, he's like the, the he's, he's a servant leader. He, he wrote a book called Servolution and um, he's like, you know, he's like Mother Teresa, you know, he's just taking care of everybody. So we call him Father Dino uh, affectionately, but he did an incredible job. But I wasn't able to tell you last week. Um, you know, a big thank you for all the birthday wishes. And uh, this, my wife and I, we just got back from a little trip. That's why I got down and got brown, everybody. So if you know what I'm talking about. So five days, Aruba, 50-year birthday. Come on, somebody. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? So, yeah. So anyway, um, that was my wife's birthday gift to me. But I wanted to say thank you for all the birthday wishes. Uh, turning the big 5-0 was an epic, uh, epic day. But uh, I feel good. I am like Caleb. My eye has not dimmed, nor my strength in any way. And I'm going to take another 50 years for Jesus. Amen? So, yeah. And by the way, that video, I'm going to get you all back for that video because that, uh, that was not funny. No, um, Parish! No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I also want to say a thank you to the people who contributed. Um, this is Audible's I'm calling. I just thought of this. But some of you guys gave some money uh, so that we could send Bibles and, uh, and, and rent buses in Pakistan. Do you remember that? Some of you saying something about that? So I did my first Skype crusade uh, a little over a week ago, um, last Wednesday. So whatever, 10 plus days I did uh, through Skype. I did a crusade to uh, hundreds and hundreds of people on the other side. I don't know how many actually, um, but 328 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ through Skype. Come on, everybody. And uh, he sent me pictures of uh, all the Bibles that we bought. So thank you for, I just, I just called an audible. I said it out loud. A bunch of you guys, before the service was over, money was already uh, being contributed. Some people gave online. And I actually got, I'm, I'm just going to be completely honest. I think there was like a plus 800 or something like dollars we didn't use. So I'm, I'm saving it up because he wants me to do it again next week. So next week, I think I'll do another, we're going to do another crusade in another area. And so I, I, he doesn't know that, but he, he hasn't even asked yet. But he'll ask him, be like, yep, <laughs> I'm just going to say yes. Isn't that awesome? So I'll be able to give him some more Bibles and buses because you are generous. Thank you, Connect, for being such a generous church. I appreciate you. Yeah. And then um, also just follow up to Pastor Dino, Father Dino's message last week. Um, he did a great message. If you didn't if you weren't here, you need to go watch that message because he talked about living an inviting life, you know, what it means to live an inviting life. And he had this one little example uh, called sample. Anybody remember his little sample illustration that our life is a sample? 
and he just kind of illustrated with some clever ways. I think it was like, you know, tortilla chips or something like that in a grocery store and how, you know, the way this person presented it, you know, the guacamole from the, you know, the, you know, the, the mountains of Ecuador coming down on the, you know, backs of, you know, whatever. And um, as he's describing this, you know, you just wanted to eat the tortilla chips, right, because it was just a sample. And the sample always says, you know, uh, you want to have more because of the sample that you received. And Jesus has basically instructed us in his word that we're a sample. We're not meant to be perfect. We're meant to have the full menu, the full Monty. The, you know, we're not the, the, we're not the uh, what's the, the main course. Jesus is the main course, but we are a sample. And so I just want to encourage you kind of as a follow-up. My staff really encouraged me to encourage you to live an inviting life. And one of the ways you can live an inviting life is by inviting people to church. And so we have these invite cards, and these were in your worship guide today. Wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about, okay? So these are for you. I dare you to invite somebody to church. Just, just, just accept this challenge. When's the last time? I invited somebody to church this morning before 7 a.m. <laughs> it was a guy at the gym. We were just two people there by ourselves. I had a captive audience. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Like, this guy was cornered. He's like, what are, you, what are you doing here this morning? Well, I'm working out before I go to church. Got it right out of the way. He's like, what do you mean you go to church? And then before you know it, I'm talking to him about my church. He goes, well, actually, yeah, I'm going to be speaking there this morning. He's like, what do, you, what do you mean? You're a speaker. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, what time the service? What time's the service? He said, well, we have three services. I said, actually, I said, we have four services. He says, what? I said, well, you know, honestly, you can, you can go to one of these four services, two different locations. He was blown away by that. And so I didn't have an invite card, so I just invited him myself. I was like, dang it, where's that invite card? So I just want to encourage you. You can use this as an opportunity. You don't have to, like, give them some kind of long soliloquy on how to invite them to church. Just say, come and see. That's what this says. Come and see. Come and see. If you love your church, how many love your church? Then all you, you got to do is give it away. Just give it away. Christianity is breathing. You take it in, you breathe it in, you breathe it out. You exhale it. And so you got to give it away. If you don't exhale it, you get weird. Okay? Some of you are weird. Okay? Some of you are getting weird. You're getting weird right now. No, I'm just kidding. Because if you don't exhale, you don't give it away. The giving it away keeps you grounded. It keeps you touching heaven, touching earth at the same time. So if you want to stay grounded, you want to stay growing, you have to be a witness to other people. Amen. That's good preaching, right? The Bible tells us to be this, you know, this salt and, and this light into the world. So I encourage you to do that. Now, today we're starting a new series. Everybody say new series. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. All right, amen. All right, so we're in a new series called The Tree of Life. And um, this, this particular series is different because it circles like um, a particular book in the Bible. A lot of times we do things that are topical. This will be, uh, this will be more like a, a book study. And so every single week I'll be uh, referencing different scriptures, but the primary text will be from the book of Galatians. So if you really want to understand kind of this whole series, you can just get into your devotions. That's Devotions is when you spend time with God. I recommend it early or first. Um, but just start reading the book of Galatians. Five chapters, just, it'll start making more sense to you. And then when you come to church, you'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 I read that. Oh, I remember that, okay? So this will help you a lot, but it's less topical than usual, but it's going to help you get grounded, rooted in your beliefs properly. Now, the Apostle Paul, apostle means church planter, or apostle is like a pastor's pastor. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Galatians. It's a letter to the church, to a church. Uh, Galatia, and and um, he basically he he went around planting churches, uh, equipping leaders, and then he'd move on to a new location over and over again. And he 
And he was, this particular book was written like in what we know today now as modern Turkey. Um, and I'm not talking about, okay, never mind. You guys don't need that joke. All right, so it's a place on the map. It's a globe. It's on the globe. Okay, and so, and he would go to these different coastlines starting churches. But that's kind of where this is all going on in terms of location. And to help them maintain what they obtained, he would write what are called epistles, letters. And these letters would go to churches, and sometimes you'd see them specific to a person. So sometimes he's talking to the church of Corinth, Corinthians first and second, or sometimes he's talking to um, or Ephesians or Galatians or something like that, but sometimes he's talking to Peter or sometimes he's talking to Timothy. Is everybody tracking with me? And so these are these letters of instruction so that people would have solid doctrine on how to live the Christian life. But in Galatians, there's this group of Jewish Christians who didn't quite receive right what Paul had instructed them, what he had given them, what he had sown into them. And so they, in this text, they come behind him and kind of try to unravel what he's done. And they start telling these new Christians that are around them, you're not doing it right. What he told you is wrong. This is what we need to do. And so Galatians is, for the most part, a corrective letter from Paul because of what these people were doing. Is everybody tracking so far? I'm giving you context for the text. Say amen. amen. Okay, and so it's a corrective letter, and it's a letter on how to stay free. Because sometimes when, when, you, when you become a Christ follower, you're free from the penalty of sin. You don't have to pay for your sins. You're, you got a get-out-of-jail-free card. Okay, you didn't have to pay, you just got out of jail free card. But as a Christian, sometimes we get out of jail, but we got to get the jailbird out of us. Is everybody tracking with me? So we might be out, but we still act like we're in. Some of you are like, mm-hmm, I know exactly what he's talking about right now. Okay, and so this is a book about how to stay free, how to be truly, truly free. So Galatians chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 6 and 7, we're going to camp there, okay? It says this, Paul speaking, I'm astonished. He's kind of fed up right now. Because remember, this is a corrective letter. That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace, kind of an operative word there, of Christ. And are turning to, look at this, a what? Different gospel. Everybody say that. A different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Now, you might not think there's more than one gospel, but there is. There's more than one gospel, and some people have bought into, accepted the wrong gospel. And Paul's saying, that's not the gospel. In fact, that's no gospel at all. And so these Jew Jewish Christians come in, they kind of mess it up, and they're trying to hold on to the old method and bring it into the new method. They're trying to hold on to some Old Testament rules some Old Testament law, in order to be godly, in order to stay connected to God right, uh, they, they try to bring back some old rules. Guess what? One of the old rules was circumcision. I just thought I'd use this as an illustration. <laughs> circumcision. Now, this might be a little gruesome, a little graphic for some of you out there, but the, 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 these Jewish Christians come on the scene, and they're trying to say, oh, you want to be in the club? You want to be a Christian? I wish I had a mic. I'd put it right up close, you know, so we could have that, that snip, snip sound. Circumcision in the Old Testament was a sign of faith, but circumcision came about before a child was eight days old. 
Okay, and there, there's science behind that, and, and it's pretty amazing. And, that, and people that still do it today, it's amazing how there's, it's pretty early in life. The point is, they don't remember it. So these Jewish Christians are telling these full-grown adults, you need a special surgery. So if you can just imagine the membership class at church. Guy and husband and wife were going to, you know, the next step, step one, to try to join the journey. And on the way, the wife's explaining, oh, 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 by the way, there's a um, special surgery at the end of the class. How many know the parking lot is full, but nobody's getting out of the car? I personally believe to this day that's why women dominate the church because of something that happened a long time ago. We're still emotionally scarred. <laughs> Acts chapter 15, you can see it for yourself. They're actually debating this thing, this, this whole circumcision idea. They're debating it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Should we have a special surgery or not? That's what's going on. And so what happened is, what, do they, what were they trying to do? They were trying to add to the gospel. They're trying to add to grace. You can never add to the grace of Christ. You can never add to the gospel because the gospel is fulfilled in and of itself by what Jesus did for us. Can I have an amen? So what happens is um, yeah, they're adding, and there's always this tendency for us to try to earn our position with God, to try to do something to be okay with God. And we'll talk about this in the coming weeks more. And that's what was going on here in this particular um, story in Galatians 6. And so there's this tendency to have a more religious gospel instead of a grace gospel. And so he, he goes on to say, um, he goes on to say here, Back forward. I haven't done this in a while. He goes on to say, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So, so they're, they're, they're trying to confuse. They're trying to mix this old with the new. And think about this. If for those of you who have received Jesus, most of you probably in this room have come to uh, what we call a profession of faith. You've confessed uh, with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's awesome. And I commend you for that. And that's the most important decision you ever made uh, this side of heaven. And it gets you into heaven. But there's still this tendency within our human nature to take what is given freely and try to pay for it. We, we take what is free and, we, and in the process of trying to pay for it, we kill it. It becomes dead religion as a result of that tendency to do that. Many years ago, I was witnessing to a guy uh, who owned the gym right around the corner here. His name was Charlie. And uh, I'd always talk, witness, by the way, means to share your faith. It means breathe in, breathe out. I, I, love, I learned something Sunday, I gave it away Monday. Okay, that's, that's what witness means, basically. And so I'd always invite him to church, and he would say in so many words, I can't. I need to get some stuff worked out first. In fact, Derek, if I showed up at church, I'd be struck by lightning, and he'd laugh. Ha, 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 as soon as I walked through the door. I've heard that so many times. And have you ever heard something like that before? You know, if I ever came to your church, I'm pretty sure I'd be struck by lightning. <laughs> For all the, what does he mean? It's a very telltale sign of their beliefs or view of God. In other words, they don't see God as a gracious God, a merciful God, a forgiving God, a God who wants to let him off the hook. No, they see God as, I got you on the hook, you owe me, there's a price, there's a debt, and there's some truth to that. But the difference is, in the gospel, not another gospel, the debt's been paid. So really, a Christ follower is somebody who's come to the realization that Jesus paid for my sins. But if you don't want to let Jesus pay for your sins, well then yeah, you got to pay for your sins. But by the way, it'll take all eternity for that to happen. 
That's just some reality. Is everybody tracking with me? So the truth is most of us have received that, but we fall back into this mentality, I guess, is a way to talk about it. And, and so what happens is with the gospel, we have like a, a, like a branding problem, a branding problem. Like how, how many of you guys remember classic Coke, right? Remember this? this? Glass bottles. We're not talking about aluminum cans, you know, vanilla Coke. What the heck is that? That's not Coke. Coke Zero, all these different things. Like, we're talking classic Coke. Like, remember when you pop this off, you could just, you can hear the sound, like, in your spirit. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like emotional. You know what I mean? You know? Classic Coke. And remember the commercial, like, nothing but the, what? Real thing? Nobody remembers. Okay, I'm dating myself. I think it came out in like 1972, so that probably said you yeah, pretty bad. But uh, yeah, it was, there, was this, there was this song that would go with classic, nothing but the real thing, nothing but the real thing, which is like a Marvin Gaye song. And, um, but this tendency is we're, we're succumbing to alternatives today. We're succumbing to imitations. We're succumbing to a different kind of a, 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 a gospel. I, mean, I want to apply this. Like, we're, not, we're, not, we're not holding on to the real thing. When, when, and, and my mother, when, uh, when I was young, to, in order to save money, because we, we were balling on a budget back then, my dad wasn't, wasn't uh, maybe uh, making big bucks, but, but uh, my mom had a certain amount of money, and so she had two kids, and so she'd take us to this, I don't remember what the place was, I was trying to remember it, but she'd take us, not to a department store to get sneakers, but we had to go to this little kind of like nook in a wall, you know, place to buy sneakers, and, there was, and, and the sneakers were all like, I love saying that word, sneakers, sneakers, but the, it's a weird word, isn't it? But anyway, there were all these wannabe sneakers, you know what I mean? Like Adidas wasn't Adidas, you know, and, 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 and Puma wasn't Puma, and Nike wasn't Nike, and there wasn't a swoosh there. It was like a swipe, you know what I mean? Like, and it was, they were trying really hard, you know, to like look like this. And so my mom, she did everything she could to convince me, these are fine, nobody will notice. Nobody's going to be able to tell, you know, and so instead of buying for this much money, she buy for this much money, and I can remember walking out like kind of not convinced, you know, when I'm balling these shoes at school and nobody's, I walk in, I didn't even get off the bus, like, what the heck are those? What are those? <laughs> it's not a swoosh, it's a swipe, you know, <laughs> it was awful. I am traumatized by that whole thing. Those aren't the real thing, you know. What, they were cheaper. We often settle for a cheaper gospel in the same way. There was a price to pay, and, and, and we, 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 we diminish its value by accepting a cheaper form of gospel, a cheaper grace. And for us to try to pay for it, for us to try to earn something, is to accept an imitation, it's to accept an imitation. It's to accept a facade. And the results are not relationship. The results will be religion when we don't accept or we don't hold on to the real thing. That's what Paul's trying to tell us in Galatians chapter 6. Is everybody with me? So don't fall prey to a substitute gospel. I want you to see clearly how to live in freedom every day. So here's a question as we go forward. How am I going to become godly? In other words, how do I... Keep that connection. What's going to be my approach to God? What's going to, how do I approach God? How do I serve God? How do I hold on to what I've received? How do I maintain what I've obtained? Is everybody tracking with me? Now, every religion has a pathway to God. Every religion has a pathway to God. Because man's condition 
um, it's known, really, if we're honest with ourselves, if we pause for a moment, we all know that man has a, has a, a tendency, a bent towards sin. He said, no, no, man's good. <laughs> okay, just look at babies. You don't have to teach babies or children to disobey. They just have it by nature, right? They can just fuss and they can, like, my little grandson Zion, you know what I mean? He's already just showing, like, these, these tendencies to just, ah, you just not get in his way. Just not get in his way right away. He's barely three months old. And his little nature, his little sinful nature is coming out. <laughs> So man is in some kind of sinful condition that is not right. So religion offers some type of teaching solution, some type of pathway to becoming godly. And Christianity is no different. That It has a pathway. But the trouble is Christians fall prey to the wrong pathway to become godly. And so this message is so foundational. I actually felt, you know, kind of checked by God, like, Pastor, how long, when's the last time you taught? So I've taught this to leaders multiple times over the years, but I actually haven't done a series on this in many years. And so I just want you to know, you need to be here every week. This will help you so much in your journey of faith. This message, actually, I should, I should do this every couple years here publicly. If you've heard this before, you need to hear it again. You need to hear it again, okay? So the truth is that um, there's, in the very beginning, there's these two stories that right out of the gate. And in the very beginning, you can see the creation story. Um, basically, it's the, kind of the first story in the Bible. And then after, where God interacts with man. And then after that, there's a second story that we're going to kind of emphasize in this particular message. And, 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 and this, by the way, this, is, this particular story that we're going to see in the beginning of the Bible shows up also in the last book of the Bible. Cover to cover, this particular idea, this particular, these principles show up in the Bible. And it's about the tree of life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And fundamentally, it's all about a choice. Everybody say a choice. Now, in Genesis chapter uh, 2, let's just begin reading there in your notes. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, now look at this, in the middle of the garden, there were two trees... And what I want you to come away with is there's really only one choice. There's really only one way for us to live in freedom. There's two choices, but there's one choice we need to make. Two trees, one choice. There's a choice there. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everybody say the tree of life. Now, some of you guys know the childhood story of Adam and Eve, right? You know, what we hear, kind of the old school story is, you know, there, you see Eve there, you get the little children's book, and, and Eve is, is as naked as a jaybird, but she's got long hair, right? And all the long hair covers stuff, you know what I mean, because it's a children's book. You guys, nobody? Okay. Anyway, I just, I just remember Eve. I knew she was naked, but I didn't see anything. So anyway, and... and uh, I'm a guy. Okay, I'm sorry. But anyway, I just remember that. And, she, and she's got an apple. And she's got an apple, right? And it's like one bite out of it. And you see a snake. And you see Adam kind of in, like back a little bit like a nerd. You just, you know, in the, barely in the story. And uh, that, that's the idea. But there's nothing in the Bible about that. There's, no, there's nothing in the Bible about an apple. 
a red, shiny apple, you know, with a bite out of it, okay? And so I just want you to see in the story that um, what's really going on here is a little bit different. The, most say that Adam and Eve chose to walk away from God and be in sin, but that's not really true. They actually had a different choice in front of them. And it was actually more deadly if they made the wrong choice than, than you realize. The, the choice could lead to life or the choice could lead to sin. And it was, it was where really original sin began, is this, this fundamental choice. And the Bible tells us uh, already, it says, in the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's this choice. And so we saw in Galatians there's two Gospels. We saw that there's one, Paul is emphasizing, there's one that sometimes the old tries to bring back. There's two basic approaches to God. But in the garden, there are two trees. Now, these were literal trees, don't, don't misunderstand, but they're symbolic in nature. Listen to me. They were literal trees, but they were symbolic in nature. It, you know, it wasn't an apple tree. It's not a tree of sin. It's a tree of knowledge, and it was a tree of life. Now, knowledge is what you know. Knowledge is what you believe. Knowledge, in this instance, is talking about your, your view, your, your, your connection, your approach, your view to life, your view to, of God, your, your, how you become godly, this knowledge. The Bible actually tells us in 1 Corinthians 8, 3, knowledge can puffeth, puffeth up, but love buildeth up. And so we have to be, we see these two lines. One goes towards love and life, and one goes towards knowledge, more and more knowledge there. And so notice that the tree of knowledge of good and evil is good and evil. It's not just evil. It's also good. It's, this is referring to how you see good and how you see evil. So the choice is you can see through knowledge or you can see through life. That's the choice. See through life, see through knowledge. Now, what happens here is in, in Genesis chapter 2, as we continue in verse 16, the story goes on. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Wow, you'll surely die. So if you eat, if you, this is what it means, if you ingest, if you consume, if you adopt if you buy into that view, eventually, if you do that to try to become godly, if you do that to try to connect with me, it will kill your relationship. Is everybody tracking out there? Say amen if you know what I'm talking about out there, okay? So what it means if you eat of it is it will put you into a religious tailspin that eventually will take you down the tube. If you eat from this tree... It will kill your relationship with me. That's what he's saying. Is everybody with me there? So you're going to learn good things and you're going to learn bad things. But when you learn those good things and bad things, you're going to try to be good. And you're going to try to be godly. And most people think Christianity is about learned behavior. Many, as a result, desire more and more knowledge, more and more knowledge and more and more knowledge. But let me tell you something. It will kill you. That's why they call seminaries cemeteries. It's true. I almost killed my call in the seminary. I'm not saying all seminaries are bad, so don't misinterpret me. But there is this, 
You have to be careful and cautious because if you keep ingesting and eating from that tree, it will kill the life that Jesus put in me. Does that track with anybody out there? So God wants you to eat from the tree of life. You ingest life itself. So what happens is Satan shows up on the scene. And so in Genesis chapter 3, are you getting something out of this, everybody? So it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild elms the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, come on, did God really say? He, he comes out right away. You must not eat from the tree of the garden. And the woman said, she repeats what God said. She said, we, yeah, he said it. We may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. He directly, he, God didn't really mean that. God didn't really say that. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. Look at this. And you will be, what? Like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, the big doofus, and he ate it. And then the, that's just another message. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. The eyes of both of them were opened and they, operative word, realized poof, they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, I'm going to come back to this, and made coverings for themselves. So, so in verse 5 of this particular verse, notice the devil doesn't appeal to Eve's desire to be bad or rebel. He appeals to Eve's desire to be like God and godly. He's a crafty critter. He didn't come right out and say, do bad, do bad, do bad. Come join me. You know, let's do bad. No, he said, you want to be like God? God knows if you want to be like him, you got to eat from this tree because your eyes will be open. And, you'll, and sure enough, her eyes were open and his eyes were open in the process. And that's why God later comes into the garden and says, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were in this condition? Who said that to you? Where'd that come from? You, what he's saying is you weren't supposed to see that yet. You weren't supposed to know that right now. You weren't supposed to feel it. How many know when you're raising your kids, there's some things that you protect their innocence for them. It's not restriction. It's protection. But the enemy twists it and tries to get you to eat from the wrong tree so that when you look at God going further, you think he was a mean God. He was a bad God. No, he was a good God. He was shielding you and protecting you and simplifying your life and keeping the sincerity and the innocence intact in your life. Who told you that? You weren't supposed to know that. You weren't supposed to see that. You weren't supposed to feel that right now. And because their eyes were opened, what was the response? Two responses to eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Loss of innocence and shame. That's what happened. They lost their innocence. <gasps> I'm naked. I'm naked. Oh my gosh. Every time we make the wrong choice, every time we eat from the wrong tree, there will always be a loss of innocence and a sense of shame. Loss of innocence. Listen, you know what that's like. Just the other day, uh, my, my wife and I were, were traveling, and so we asked Natalia, please send us pictures, videos of the baby. We're starving. Like, we just got this newborn baby. We're just, we're just baby crazy, grandbaby crazy. And so we hadn't had anything for like 24 hours. And, and so, so she, sends us, she sends us a little video of baby Z in the bathtub, naked. Now, when you see baby Z in a bathtub naked under two months, you're just like, oh, it's so cute. It's, it's so innocent. It's so awesome, right? But if Natalia sent a picture of Devin in the bathtub in a little video, <laughs> innocence gone. Like, 
Like, right? It changes everything, right? So, so what happens is when we eat from the wrong tree, that's what's like. We lose all of that innocence. And, and, and so just like Adam and Eve, you and I, we, we, we eat from that tree. What do we do? We cover our mistakes. We cover our nakedness. We hide our sin. Church, what is church? Church is, most people think out there, church is a bunch of phony, fake people. Look at all the church people in there. They think they're all better than us. Why? Because when they experience a lot of Christians, they experience Christians who are eating from the wrong tree. And so the result of that fruit is we act like we got it all together. That's why we intentionally say things as a church like, we're the perfect church for imperfect people. And if you're perfect, you're going to mess this church up. And by the way, you're not perfect. Right? And so there's always this loss of innocence. There's always this behavior of shame. And so now we're not real. Now we're fake and we're phony. It's because it's hard, Pastor Derek. It's hard. I know. It's hard to distinguish sometimes between the two trees. It's easy to choose the wrong tree, but it's critical to your journey. So what happens is we need to focus on, 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 on two things. One, if we eat from the tree of knowledge, we're focusing on what you do. Everybody say what you do. So the thing is, tree of knowledge is how do you know you're eating from the wrong tree? Because you're trying to do more to get to God. But the problem is you're not capable of doing enough. Your works, the Bible says, your efforts are, listen to this, this is what it says, filthy rags. You know what that means? Menstrual rags. It's like, that's the, that's the actual translation, sorry. That's what it's talking about. It's like, don't try to do that. That's a slap in the face of the finished work of Jesus Christ and God the Father who gave his perfect, spotless, sinless son for you because he loved you so much. And now you're going to try to do something for that? You can't do enough for that. The tree of knowledge tries to make you feel like I must pray more. I must read more of the Bible. I must serve more. I've got to give more. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. It's just that feeling that you have, the motive, the fuel behind it's the problem. And so you try to measure how much you're doing. And if you keep eating from that tree and how much you're doing, before you know it, you're going to start measuring how much other people are doing and what they're not doing. Because you're eating from the wrong tree. Ever been somewhere where someone is sizing you up spiritually? Ever been to church and you kind of feel them, they're like looking at you, they're like, huh, look at that shirt, I wonder how much that costs. I didn't see them put anything in the offering envelope, but that's a pretty expensive watch right there, you know. Look at that car they're driving around in, you know, and driving away in. And, and what, what do we do? We're sizing people up. Sometimes. What are we eating from? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sometimes we do that in conversations, you know. People come in. I know they're not going to make it here. You know, by what some things they say, what Bible translation do you use? I prefer the King James Version because uh, it's the oldest translation. I'm like, we use all of them. You know what I mean? We use them all. Yeah, buddy, we use them all. You know, uh, I like to pray in the mornings because if you pray at night, I mean, you just never really get through because you're just, you're just so preoccupied with self. And in the morning, it's just so much more holy. It's just so much more holy. I'm, I'm consuming eight chapters of the Word a day. How many chapters are you consuming? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh, okay, right? You know what I'm... T- what are they saying? They're saying, you know, people, I've heard people in the South, they get real crazy about this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? You're going to turn and burn. You know what I mean? You're going to go to hell. You know? It's like two-syllable two word, hell. 
hey, yo. What, they're focusing on what they do, right? But we can do that too. There's so many different examples that we could give. And, and, and what I'm hoping is that over the course of this month, it'll, it'll pop. You'll be like, oh, whoop, I got to get, whoop, I got to swing over to the other tree because right now I'm in the tree of knowledge. I got to get over to the tree of life. You know, and I'm praying you get a zip line to get back over to the tree of life as we go forward because, because it shows up. It shows up in a church like this. We're like, you know, our church is growing and blowing and people are getting saved and all kinds of people coming in. We got multi-services and we're all that. We ain't all that. We ain't all that because of what we do. We're all that because of what Jesus has done, and we're giving that away. Can I have an amen? So we don't compare to other people. We compare to the perfection, the majesty, and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? So one focuses on what you do, and then the other tree focuses on what Jesus has done. Jesus, what he's already done. See, you have to receive the fact that Jesus has already done it. When you realize Jesus paid it all and that you can't accomplish something by what you do for your salvation, what happens is it's freeing, it's liberating, it's motivating, it, it fuels your walk with God. So now I'm not reading my Bible to become more godly. I'm reading my Bible to know God and become godly. Does that make sense to everybody out there? It's different. I'm not looking for knowledge. I'm looking for Jesus when I read the Bible. Where is he in this story? Where is he in these scriptures? We aren't better than anyone because of that. We're just better off because of him. Amen. It's a different view. It's a different view. And so the purpose of the Bible is not to have a corner on the market of doctrine and get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. We need to go deep. You know, one of my problems with Connect Community Church, Pastor Derek never goes deep. We need, I need a deeper word. I need a deeper word. Let me give you a deeper word. Are you ready for a deeper word, everybody? I'm about, I'm about, to, I'm about to go deep, okay? So you... Study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Uh -uh, survey says. <laughs> these, are, these are the very scriptures that testify about boom chakalaka me. But yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So he's like, you're studying them. Actually, when Jesus was saying this, he's standing right in front of the religious people going, you're in your book, I'm right here. And some of you are in your book, and he's like, I'm in that book. But you're studying them, thinking that by studying them and knowing them, not that that's not good. I'm not against memorizing scripture and knowing what the word says and watching your life and doctrine closely. Don't dismiss what I'm saying. It's about knowing him. It's about personal. The goal of Christianity isn't for you to memorize and learn the Bible, but the goal is to experience the person of Jesus Christ. So how many chapters, you know, I read, that didn't change anybody. Jesus changes people. So works are still important. We still need to live right. Christian education is still important. We have like an academy for that. We're like training and equipping people with small groups and next step. Why that? To train and equip, absolutely. But the motivation is the person of Jesus. So here's two more choices. Are you guys getting something out of this? I'm worked up. Okay. So um, one focuses on God's love. Um, <laughs> one focuses on God's love. And the other one focuses on uh, God's approval. So God's love and God's approval. Those are the two things to fill out. It's God's approval first, God's love second. Okay. So here's what's going on here. Two choices at the trees. One focuses on getting approval, trying you know, to get acceptance and affirmation and, 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 and approval. 
But, but you know, the same way God the Father was with His Son when He was baptized is the same way God the Father is towards you when you make a commitment to Christ. This is my Son in whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. That's how God feels about you because you're His Son. You're His daughter. But most people have the wrong view of God. A Gallup study was done uh, not too, just a few years ago, and the truth is, nationally speaking, most people think that God is mad. That's the predominant view that people have about God. And, 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 and I remember reading these things, when I, I'm dating myself again, but these chick tracks. Not Chick-fil-A, but chick tracks, okay? And there were these, these little cartoons that this guy we created. They were, they were masterful in many respects to try to share faith. But there was one I remember that characterized God as this faceless, angry God. Anybody remember chick tracks? I'm, a few people, two, thank you, praise the Lord. But, but God, in this particular cartoon... He was sitting on like Abraham's memorial, you know, like this big chair and, and, and faceless and, and you just, he was just intimidating. And, and I, I, that's how I viewed God and because of what I saw and what was, what was, but I think God, the Bible says he sits in the heavens and laughs. I think he smiles and looks at, I don't think he's mad in heaven. I think he's in heaven madly in love with his kids. Your, your view of God will determine your relationship with God. You have to have the right picture of God. He's, he's not up there angry at us. So one focuses on getting his approval. One focuses on God's love. God already loves you. Already. Focus on the word already loves you. In fact, he knows your sinful state and he still loves you. He doesn't agree with what you're doing. He's not, he's not going to encourage what you're doing, but it has nothing to do with whether he loves you or not. I tell my kids, you know, in fact, sometimes when I was just expressing approval to some of the speakers the other night, and one of them, Mikey Richwan, who I love like a, a spiritual son, he did a great job. He was speaking here on this platform, and I just said, just so you know, I don't love you anymore by what I'm getting ready to say. I love you the same, but I'm so proud of you for what you just did tonight. Why am I saying that? Because I'm trying to reinforce my love affirmation and acceptance is different than what you just, it's not connected to your performance. But because you feel loved, affirmed, and accepted, you will perform better. Be but if you live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll live under this performance-based love, and you'll never be able to measure up to yourself or others be able to measure up to you. Because you're eating from the wrong tree. This is good preaching. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, look at this. He says, God demonstrated his love. He already did it. His, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, what? Christ died. Christ died. He loved us. He died for us. So that love changes everything. When you receive that love, it changes everything. How you see him will help you receive him. And your view of God will determine your relationship with him. And some of you are here today. You're in this service. And, and the service really early was drawing you to him. And you were feeling that draw, but you kind of made a decision. You talked yourself out of it because of things you did yesterday, because of things you did this week, because of things that you're struggling with. And you thought, after all, if I, if I enter in, I'll be a hypocrite. See, you think God is mad at you. He's already demonstrated his love towards you while you were sinning. He's, he's not waiting for you to change. He's, he, wants, he already began to love you. He didn't wait for you to change before he started loving you. He loved you so you could change. Is everybody with me? You don't get your act together and then come to God. You come to God and you'll get your act together. It's a flip. 
in this. And so when you get the flip right, you won't live in condemnation. You'll live in conviction. But because of relationship with him, that conviction will transform you into a new person. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because he first loved us. How do we love? How do we do it right? Because he initiated, already loved you, already demonstrated his love towards you. He did that on Calvary, but you have to receive that. How do you receive that? Because of how you see him. See, my pet peeve is people like me, ministers of the gospel, you know, they, they promote the wrong message, a different gospel. They get up sometimes, you know, 26 years ago, I gave in to the call of God. I could have been successful, but I decided to serve Jesus, you know. I mean... No, I don't, know. I don't know what gospel, buddy, you're, you're a part of, but this is a privilege for me to serve. It's a, there's, a, there's a little sign right here backstage, you know, just says it's a privilege to be on this team and to serve this way. It's a privilege to do that. But it's a privilege because of how I see it. And I think that sometimes we're doing things for the wrong reasons. We're focusing on external duty instead of focusing on internal desire. External duty, or are you focusing on internal desire? See, some of you are trying to do right, but it's the wrong reason. You're focusing on external duty. You're like, you look at the speed limit, and it says 55. And so nobody's around, no cop, no stop. You take off, right? But if a cop's there on the side, right, what do you do? You come under the speed limit. You're kind of afraid. You're looking out your rearview mirror. You're kind of like waving at him. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you're a little scared. And, 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 and you obey out of duty. You obey out of fear of getting busted. See, that's external. See, God doesn't want you to obey him out of fear, out of getting busted. God wants you to have an internal desire to do what is right for him. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Ha ha! See, we're supposed to keep his commandments, Derek. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And his commandments are not burdensome. Well, if you're not in love, it'll be the most burdensome thing you ever did. Trying to... Trying to live the Bible, live according to the scriptures, will be the hardest thing you ever did if you are not doing it from internal desire, if you are not doing it by being in love. But if you are in love, it's the greatest blessing on earth. It's a delight for you. He who has, because if you're, if you're in love, he who has the Son has what? Life. He who has the Son has what? Life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. See, it's all about God. It's all about being in a relationship with him. And your gratitude is a sign that you're eating from the right tree. Let me give you three things quickly, very quickly, that help you live in the tree of life. Are you getting something out of this, yes or no? Okay, all right. So to set that old gospel aside, make sure we're living the new gospel, the life-giving approach. Number one, fall in love with Jesus. I'm just telling you to fall in love again. How do I explain that? I could only use, like, marriage, you know? Uh, I fell in love with Stacy 26 years ago. You know, there were certain things I did to put me in that position. But there were two things that I can fundamentally say that I did. I focused on who she was, and I focused on what she did. See, how do I, so how do I stay in love with God? I focus on who he is, and I focus on what he did. Who, who he is and what he did. How do you fall in love? You focus. That's what communion just did for you today. You focused on what he did. It brings you back. Oh, my God. I was sitting over there. I was taking the blood. I was just like, I looked down. I was like, this is symbolic of blood that was shed for me. Whew. 
I just had a moment. I started getting misty. You know, I, this, 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 this little piece of bread, got, his body was, 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 was torn and pierced so I could be whole and I could be healthy. You know, I focused on what he did. I focused on, you know, who he is. He's not mad, right, in heaven. He's madly in love from heaven. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, the Bible says, that he would give his one and only son. So what do you do? I don't, need to, I don't need you to be more religious. I need you to be more in love with God. Now, so one of the things that changed my life, and I have to do this today, and I'm indulging the clock, is this. In John 14, 15, this verse changed my life. So, so just watch this. I'm going to read it. If you love me, you will obey my commandments, right? So here's the thing. When you read that, there's two ways to read that verse. And I would just ask you, when you see that verse, what do you see? See, you might see, you might see, you know, Derek, um, if you love me, be a good boy. Derek, if you love me, don't even tell me you love me and don't do what I say. Derek, if you love me, prove it. That's not what it says, everybody. It says this, if you love me, comma, you will obey my commands. Did you get that? See, staying faithful to Stacy for 26 years, it wasn't remembering the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And every time you look lustfully upon a woman, you've already done it. Slap, 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 don't do it today. Don't do it today. Tomorrow, slap, 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 don't do it today. Oh, it's another day. Oh, I didn't do it. I didn't, oh, I'm not going to commit adultery. Oh, I'm not going to look lustfully upon a woman. 26 years. <laughs> that is hell on earth, people. With all the temptation there is in the world today? No, I'm in love with Stacy. So I'm not looking around. If I wasn't, I might be. Eventually. I'm just being straight up honest with everybody in this room. See, and you're, you need to be honest with yourself if you're going to move forward. See, some of you are trying to, you're fighting temptation, working on your self-control. See, temptation isn't, is a test of your relationship, not your self-control. Temptation is a test of your relationship, not your self-control. So I would say to you, which side of the comma are you living on? This is the tree of life, and this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you can fulfill the commands of God better by falling in love with God rather than trying to obey everything. Number two, write this down. Don't allow condemnation into your heart. Pastor Deed, you can come, yeah. I want you to be very careful about this word condemnation. As soon as I finish this message, you're going to walk out of here and the enemy's going to try to come in and whisper condemnation. Ah, I don't know. That was good, but you know, you better think about this because you are. You are, and you've done, and you know. And that's what serpent tried to do to Eve. That's what these Jewish Christians were trying to do to these new believers. And the enemy works overtime to try to condemn you and move you back to this different gospel, this performance-based religion. And this isn't how God works. One of the best tests that you are living in the tree of life is how you respond to your own sin and how you respond to the sin of others. I'll say it again. One of the best tests that you are in the tree of life is how you respond to your own mistakes and how you respond to the mistakes of others. In John chapter 8, 
There's a story, this woman, she's a prostitute, she was caught in the act of adultery. It's a grand scandal to try to really bust Jesus, not her. And so these, these religious people bring this, this woman who's caught in the act of adultery before Jesus. They hurl him at Jesus' feet. They're all standing around and saying, what do you think we should do with her with rocks in their hands? According to the law, she should be stoned and killed for what she did. And Jesus first ignores them, and then eventually, you know, he says, who here is without sin? Question to your question. Who's here without sin? Let him cast the first stone. What happens? They all start to walk away. He deals with their judgment with a personal question to their own integrity and their own walk with God. And they all walk away. And it's just him and the woman. And the woman is standing there. And, and he looks at her. And he says, who condemns you now? Who condemns you now? The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8. Look at this. There is therefore now no condemnation, honey. For those who are in relationship with me, because through Christ, through me, this relationship with me, the law of the Spirit, something will happen inside of you, will give you life and set you free from the law, the penalty, the price, the payment of sin, and separation from relationship with me. There's no condemnation anymore. I don't condemn you anymore. And, sh and, then, and then he says, maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. How about, how about we stop sinning? Amen. How many know in that moment, because the Spirit of God, because the tree of life represented in Christ himself came into her situation, she was set free from sin. And she was set free from the pattern and bondage of sin from that day forward. So here's the deal, last point. This is a choice you have to make every day. This is a choice you have to make every day. And as an invitation in Deuteronomy chapter 30, the Bible says this, this day I call heaven and earth. I call heaven and earth. In other words, both are watching as witnesses against you so that I've set before you, I set before you what? A choice. God always gives us choice. It's the most spiritual muscle you have is this decider, this free will, this choice. You can choose life. Tree of life, you can choose tree of knowledge, death. You can choose tree of life, blessing. You can choose tree of knowledge, cursing. Now, sir, man, boy, or girl, make the right choice. There's two trees, but there's only one right choice, and that is to choose life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can I pray for you? Life is found in relationship with God. And if you want to be in relationship with God today, that's possible. It's, I got good news. It's possible because of what Jesus did for you. You can have that. It's possible because Jesus lived a sinless life, because Jesus died and paid for your sin, because Jesus rose on the third day. You can overcome every day in your life. And there's others here that need to make a, a, a new confession. You might be here and you've been eating from the wrong tree, and you know you've been eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know what? It's been a lot of work, Pastor D. It's been hard. It's hard to live this Christian life. Sir, man, boy, girl, it's because you're eating from the wrong tree. Can I invite you to the other tree? So if you're here today and you know that you need to come into a first-time relationship with Jesus Christ and you never have, you're here for some reason and you're listening online and you never have, I would like you to just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. That's me. I don't want to miss that. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody else I have missed? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Is there anybody else I missed? Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. 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 Now, if you, you can put your hand down. Now, if you know you're here today and you've been struggling, you've been working hard, it's been, it's been difficult, it's been burdensome, 
and you want that life that we're talking about. You want to switch over to the right tree. And you know you've been eating from the wrong tree. I want you to be courageous and honest. I want you to raise your hand and say, I've been eating from the wrong tree. Just raise your hand if that's you. All over the room. All over the room. Come on, get in on it. Don't miss it. God sees your hand. He sees your heart when you do it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You can put your hand down. Now, I want you to pray. That everybody, I want you to pray this prayer with me together. We're going to pray for that first group, and then I'm going to pray for you, the second group. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for paying my bill. Thank you for dying and paying uh, my debt. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I've been living my life my way. Today, I surrender completely. Come live inside me and transform me from the inside. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Now, for that next group, pray this with me. Everybody say, Jesus, help me. Help me to live a life from the tree of life. Help me to fall in love again. To not live in condemnation, but rather in conviction. Speak to my heart right now. Speak to my heart when I sin against you. And when I turn to another gospel, turn me back and lead me on the right path. Today, now, I choose life. I'm going to ask campus pastors to come immediately and support me. I want to thank you for your decision. I want to thank you for your prayers. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap in this room? Come on, come on, come on. Thank you. Come on up, Pastor Daniel.